Welcome to the Prince College Podcast. We are so thankful that you've tuned in. Our hope with this podcast is that it teaches you more about who Jesus is, what he's done, and what that means for you. With that in mind, let's dive right in. Hope you enjoy. What's up? Are we on? Are we, on? Are we good? How's everybody doing? We good? Awesome. Hey, I'm sorry that you're not on spring break right now, but I'm glad to see you, okay? I'm really thankful that you're here. Thanks for joining. I know, soft spot. It's a little sore subject. I get it. I apologize. Sorry for bringing it up. But I'm really glad that you're here with us tonight as we're continuing our series called Loveology, but we're moving to Loveology 2.0. The last four weeks that we've been together, we've been doing uh, a series through just kind of different kinds of love that we see in Scripture, God's love for us, our love for God, uh, our love for one another, and our love for the lost. But I told you guys whenever we started this that we're breaking it into two parts and part two is all about romantic love and how to pursue relationships in a way that is honoring to the Lord and pleasing, excuse me, honoring to the Lord and a blessing to the world around us. So we're going to start talking about dating and relationships. Is anybody excited about this? few of you are excited about this. That's great. I'm really excited about this as well. I'm excited because this is one of those things that I feel like is really important for us to talk about because studies show that the majority of you do desire relationship. I would be willing to bet that the majority of those of you in this room tonight do desire relationship. You do desire marriage at some point in your life. That might not be true for all of you in the room, but if I were betting based on the statistics, it's true for the majority of you. So with that in mind, it's important that we talk about that because let's be real, the dating scene in 2021 is terrible, right? And we need to talk about this because I don't want you taking cues from how to date and how to pursue relationships on, by, from the world around you. I want you to have a biblical understanding of what this looks like, what it should look like for you to pursue relationships, like I said, in a way that is honoring to the Lord and a blessing to those in your life. So that's where we're headed with this series. That's my heartbeat behind the series. I'm really excited for this time together. But before we get into the intricacies of what dating is supposed to look like, the type of person that we're supposed to pursue, we need to talk about the very real topic that is singleness, okay? And I know that the topic of singleness elicits a variety of responses in the room, right? Like there's some of you in the room who are single and you're loving it. Like you're living your best life. You're totally cool not being tied down in a relationship. You love being single and we celebrate those of you, but there are others of you in the room that do not feel the same way right? Like you're single and you're not exactly happy about being single. You can't wait for a relationship to come. I get that. We're going to address that. And there's others of you in the room that are not single and you are dating, okay? But I want you to know that the things that we're going to talk about tonight will be helpful for you as well because here's the deal. Biblically speaking, the Bible doesn't address this thing that we call dating. There's married and non-married, okay? So there's a time period in which you are not married that is there for a purpose, there for a reason, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we dive into that, I want to pray with you one more time. So would you pray with me? If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Right where you sit, I want to give you a moment to pray and ask God to use this time. That this would be beneficial for you. If you're willing, just, just in the silence of your own heart and your own mind, would you pray and ask God to use this time to speak to us for his glory, for our good? I'm going to give you just a moment in the silence, then I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to dive right in. (laughs) 
Father, I'm really thankful for this time. I'm really thankful for this space. I'm really thankful for this church. And I'm really thankful for this college ministry, just the opportunity that we have to gather during Wednesdays like this and just to, to proclaim your name, to worship you in song. God, this is just this is a, a moment that I never want to take for granted. God, I'm thankful for this time that we have right now to open your word. God, I believe that this is your holy word, that this is the way by which, one of the main ways by which you speak to us. And so God, would you use this time? Would you speak through your word? Would you speak through me? Would this time be honoring and glorifying to you? Would it be a blessing to us? As we draw near to you, would you draw near to us? It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So what some of you may know about me is that I come from a very large family, okay? On both sides of my family, mom and dad's side, both huge sides of the family, and they all, like both sides of the family, love to get together, all right? Anybody's family just love, like, family get-togethers? It's all about family get-togethers. Tyler Brew, I knew you were gonna raise your hand. Like, that's just the Brew family, right? It was my family as well, okay? Like, growing up, it felt like we were always going to family get-togethers. One of the staples was on my mom's side of the family. Every Mother's Day weekend, we had a get-together with my mom's side of the family, at my great aunt Lucy's house, okay? I don't know what your Mother's Day weekend typically looks like, but for me, what it looked like was this. We loaded up very early in the morning at my house in my mom's minivan, and we drove two hours to my grandparents' house. Thank God that my mom's minivan had a DVD player in it, and we just watched movies the entire time. We go all the way down to South Georgia, get to my nana and papa's house. We stop there, little pit stop, get something to drink, get into their minivan, which also had a DVD player. Very thankful for that. And we drove another two hours to this town called called Hinesville, okay? I don't know if, is anybody from Hinesville? Probably not. I don't like know anybody else from Hinesville except for my great aunt Lucy, all right? And we'd be in Hinesville and it was always like 97,000 degrees outside because it's May, it's really hot, right? And we're just playing wiffle ball, playing kickball, two-hand touch football that gets a little too aggressive and we're tackling each other. Like that was my childhood. That's how we grew up. And inevitably, whenever we'd get to this get together, like I said, large family, and there was always, like it seemed like there was always something to celebrate. Like somebody was getting married, somebody was having a kid. So we'd always take some time to celebrate like the big life moments. Whenever we went to Aunt Lucy's house, we'd celebrate Mother's Day, of course, because that's what we were there for. But we'd also celebrate the other life moments. I remember that because there was a time whenever I graduated high school so long ago, right? In 2012, I graduated high school and my cousin and Caleb and I, we both graduated and we go to Aunt Lucy's that year and we know, hey, this is our moment. All right, it's our time to get celebrated. And here's the deal. The aunts and the uncles always went in on a gift for whoever's getting celebrated. So we knew we were about to cash in on something, right? And we were really excited about this. So we go down to Aunt Lucy's house that year. We do the typical hangout, eat the hot dogs, hang out outside. And there's this moment where we're just all kind of chilling together. And that moment comes where they start talking about, well, hey, Adam and Caleb graduated from high school this year. So they like make us stand up in front of the entire family, you know, and they're like, hey, where are you going? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, the questions you ask every 18-year-old that they don't know the answers to, right? And so this moment happens, and then they finally present us with a gift, the moment we've been waiting for, right? And I get this bag, and I remember this moment very vividly because the way I responded was kind of funny. Like, I I get this bag, and it's kind of heavy, and I I open the bag, and there's a box, and the gift that they had given me was a GPS system for my car, okay? And on it was a little note that said, no matter how far away from home life takes you, may this always help you find your way back home, right? Really cheesy and lame, okay? Like I was like this really cheesy, and and, in back of my head, I'm thinking what many of you might have thought. I'm thinking, okay, like I understand that this was a few years ago, but it was 2012, and I did, at the moment that I opened this gift, have an iPhone in my back pocket that had a GPS on it, right? So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what in the world is this gift for? 
Like, I, like I'm never gonna use this, right? But of course, like I smile and I like, you know, thanks, Aunt Lucy, really thoughtful of you. Anybody ever else been, been in this situation before where you open a gift and you like have no idea what to do with it? Like that's what happened to me in this moment. I kind of put it into the glove box in my car thinking I'm never gonna use it again, right? Well, fast forward several months later, I'm here at the University of Georgia, I'm studying here, but it comes time for me to go home to see mom and dad, and I'm driving on the roads between Athens and Macon, and I get lost, right? And I have no idea where I'm at. I pull over, try to find where I'm supposed to go, pull out my phone, go to pull up Google Maps, and what do you know? I have no service, right? Ever happened to you before? Can't load a GPS, can't call mom and dad. What do I do? And then I remember, praise God, for Aunt Lucy, Right, And I reach into my glove box, I pull out this GPS, which I'm pretty sure I hadn't used at all until this exact moment. So like I untangle the cord, plug it into the cigarette lighter, put a little suction cup thing onto the windshield, plug in my mom and dad's address, what happens? Lights up, calculating, proceed to this route. And I'm like, thank God for Aunt Lucy. It was a really humbling moment for me. What happened was my aunt gave me a gift that I didn't think that I would ever need, but then I came upon a moment in my life where I realized I desperately needed this gift, a gift that I didn't really want and a gift that I really didn't think was going to prove to be very useful for me, pointed me in the right direction to get me to where I needed to go. And my guess is you might understand where I'm going with this story. Because here... Paul talks about singleness as if it is a gift, which is what I imagine a hard perspective for many of you to have, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he opens up in the verse that Grant just read for us. In verse 7, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am, which is single. Paul is single as he's writing these words. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, like I don't want you to miss that. He is calling singleness a gift here. And my guess is that there's some of you in the room tonight who are single and you have a really hard time viewing your singleness as a gift. And you hear it talked about as a gift and you're like, yeah, that's all like well and good, but just out of curiosity, does it come with a gift receipt? Because I kind of want to turn it back in, right? I want to return it. I don't want this gift. I want the other gift. I want the gift of marriage. I want the gift of relationship. And I want you to hear me say from the get-go tonight, if that's you in this room tonight and you're single and you don't like being single and you don't want to be single and you desire relationship, you desire marriage, I want you to hear me say, that that's a good desire. That's not wrong of you to desire that. All right, we see the desire for companionship and we see marriage very early on in the story of scripture. We see it before Genesis 3. We see it before the fall of mankind. We see it before sin enters into the world. So what that shows us is that desire and marriage is a good thing. But here's the deal. We have the tendency a lot of times to downplay our current season of life and really upplay the next season of life. And we have this tendency to view these seasons of life with like a grass is always greener mentality, right? Like we want to get to the next season and to the next season and to the next season. And we think that our life won't be fulfilled until we get to this season. We let these desires control our lives. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. What I want for you is I want you to have an appropriate mentality whenever it comes to your singleness. I want you to have the mentality of like the famous uh, missionary, Jim Elliott. Some of you have heard of Jim Elliott. He famously wrote a letter to his soon-to-be wife at one point, whose name is Elizabeth. And he said to her in this letter, they're talking about their desire for marriage. And he says to her at one point, he says, let not our longing slay our appetite for living. 
He says, let not our longing slay our appetite for our living. He's saying, hey, I know we wanna get married. I know that we have this desire, but don't let that help keep us from missing out. Let, don't let, excuse me, don't let that make us miss out on what God is doing in us and around us all the time. Don't let us miss out on this current season. So whether you're in this room and you're single and you're thriving and you're loving it, or whether you're in this room and you're single and you're hating it, or even if you're in this room and you're already dating, what I want you to understand is this, is that God has ordained this time period in your life prior to marriage for a specific purpose. It's there for a reason and it's meant to be a gift to you. So what we need to talk about tonight is we need to talk about how we're to view that mentality, how we're meant to view that season in our life rightly and how we're meant to leverage it for our ultimate good and for the glory of God. And so to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to take some time and we're really going to talk about 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35. All right, This verse is kind of like Paul's culmination of his teaching on singleness. And I'm going to read it for us one more time. We're going to kind of break it apart together. Verse, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 35 says this. It says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. I wanna key in on different parts of this verse. The first thing that I want you to key on is just the very beginning of this. I think Stephen has it on the screens for us right here. This very beginning part, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. So at the end of his teaching on singleness, he's saying, hey, I'm saying this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you. And what I want you to know about that word restraint is that in the original language, it was a word that meant to tie a rope around someone's neck and to choke them, right? And so what he's saying here is that as he teaches on singleness, he knows that this is going to be a hard teaching for those that he's telling it to. And it's still a hard teaching today. And he's saying, hey, just so you know, I'm telling this to you for your own benefit, I'm not trying to choke you. I'm not trying to hold you back. I'm not holding back anything from you. I'm trying to get you to understand that this season is good for you. It's kind of like, like a good parent, right? Like a good parent knows how and when to say no to their kid. Like the kids who always got what they wanted every moment of every day are the ones that grow up and are spoiled like people and they're like terrible to be around, right? But a good parent knows how and when to say no to their kids, because they understand that what their kid wants in any given moment might not be what's best for them. And often, it's what they don't want that will be best for them in the long run. And Paul's saying something similar here. He's saying, I'm not trying to hold back on you. I'm not holding anything back from you. I'm not trying to restrain you. I'm not trying to choke you. This is for your own benefit. And I think this is something we need to hear tonight as well, because key number one to leveraging your singleness well is that you've got to view your singleness rightly. You've got to have an appropriate perspective. You've got to actually be willing to see it as a gift. You've got to actually be willing to see it as a gift that is given to you by God. This is a time period that will be a short time period for some of us, a longer time period for other, others of us. But however long this time period is in your life, you must realize that God is not holding back on you. He's not trying to restrain you. He's not trying to choke you. He's not trying to keep anything from you. You must be willing to view this rightly, be willing to view this as a gift in your life if you want to get out of it all that God intends for you to get. So he says, I say this not to lay any restraint 
restraint upon you, but to promote good order. That's the next phrase I want to key in on there. To promote good order. If you have a different translation of the Bible, it may say to promote that which is appropriate. And so what does Paul mean here? He says, I say this not to be a restraint upon you. I say this to promote good order, to promote that which is appropriate. So what does that mean? What does he mean by promote that which is appropriate? I heard a a pastor speak on this one time and he was talking about this idea and it's just an image that always stuck with me. He said that uh, we deem deem something to be appropriate if it fits into its current context. And we would say that something is inappropriate if it doesn't fit its current context. And his main example was like if you got your wedding, you've planned your wedding, like it's an incredible day, you're really excited, it's a beautiful moment and you're standing up there at the altar and you see one of your guests walk in wearing a bathing suit. Like, inappropriate moment, right? Like it's not something that would be appropriate for that moment. Nothing wrong with a bathing suit, but definitely does not fit the context. And so what Paul is saying here is that this time period of singleness is designed to promote that which is appropriate. It's designed to promote a lifestyle in you that fits into your current context. And whenever you hear that, the natural question that should come up in your mind is, okay, well, what is my context? And what would a lifestyle that is appropriate to my context look like? And Paul does not leave us in the dark about that. Just earlier, in the few verses prior, in verses 29 through 31, he addresses this. And he's saying, again, just teaching on relationships, he's saying, this is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. And I know that sounds depressing. What's Paul saying here? Is he saying that those who are married should just forsake their wives? No. Is he saying that those who are mourning and sad should just forget about the fact that they're sad? No. Is he saying that those who have jobs should just forsake their jobs and give up on everything else? No. This is Paul using hyperbole here. And he's saying, hey, you need to prioritize what is most important. You need to realize that these things that you make the ultimate things in your mind, a lot of times aren't actually the ultimate things. And there are things that are far more important than these things that consume your mind. He's trying to get us to understand that we must live with an appropriate perspective and that we must realize that we are living our lives in God's grand story of redemption and not in our own stories that are just centered around us. We've got to view this rightly. We tend to get so fixated on our lives and the things happening in our lives. And we make these things that are going on in our lives out to be like they're the ultimate things, but there are far more important things that we should be committing our time and our energy to. And we're gonna talk about dating, we're gonna talk about relationships because it does matter, okay? And God does care about your relationships. God does care about your desire to be in relationship. If you're in this room right now and you're single and you're desperately longing for marriage, I want you to hear me say that God cares about that. He sees that, he knows that, he cares about that. But I also want you to hear me say this, That dating, relationships, marriage, that's not the main story. That's not the main thing. The Bible absolutely speaks about it. We're gonna talk about it over the next four times that we gather together, the next three times that we gather together. But here's the deal. If you added up 
Every single teaching on relationships, on marriage, on romantic love, it would constitute a small, small sliver of this book, a very, very small portion. Why is that? It's because that's not the main story. That's not the main story. We like to make that the main story. That's a lot of the time what we're thinking about the most often, but that's not the main story. The main story of this book is of a God who desires relationship with you of a God who created all things in perfection, a creator who spoke and existence came into being, and he created mankind in his own image to find satisfaction and fulfillment in him. But that creation, mankind, who was created in the image of God, what did they do? They thought that God was holding back on them. Realize that this is a lie that we've been buying into ever since the beginning that we thought that God was holding back on us. Mankind thought that God was holding back on them. So what did they do? They rebelled and they insisted upon their own way. And that rebellion and that insistence upon their own way brought about sin. It brought about brokenness. Get this, that rebellion brought about relational conflict. That rebellion brought about broken relationships. That rebellion brought about everything that is evil and everything that is broken and everything that is dark. But the story of this book is of a God who continued to pursue us even in our brokenness, who came after us, chasing after us, providing a way for us to be in relationship with him, ultimately sending his son to live, die, and rise again so that we might be reconciled and brought into right relationship with him and sent out to back into the brokenness to pursue others in his name, telling them too of this God that they too can come to know. The story of this book is a story of great love and redemption that we have been invited to participate in. Don't miss out on the main story. So often we make dating, we make relationships, the main goal and the main idea, it's not. Dating's great, we're gonna talk about it. It's a huge gift. Relationships are awesome. Marriage is a beautiful gift from God, but it's not the end goal. The end goal is living lives for God's glory. So whenever Paul writes that he's trying to promote a lifestyle that's appropriate, it's a lifestyle that realizes that we're in God's story. And it realizes where we're at in the redemptive history that we're currently living in between the days of Jesus' resurrection and his return. And the appointed time is growing more and more short. One day he will return. And there are far more things that we should be prioritizing than our relationships. Relationships are important. Relationships are good. This doesn't mean that God does not care about you, that God does not love you. It means that he loves you more than you could possibly understand because he cares far more about you being in relationship with him than he does about you figuring out your dating life. He really desires relationship with you. So he gives us this time period before many of you will go on to enter into marriage to make sure that we promote that which is appropriate to figure out how we are to live and move and dwell as children of God and citizens of heaven. And this is ultimately for our good because God realizes that a relationship with him is going to impact our eternity. All right, it's gonna be far more significant than a relationship with another human being. All right, it's for our good in that regard, but it's also, it will serve us well whenever we do enter into relationships. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's for our good because God knows that if we are ever going to get a relationship with a human being right, that we have to first be in right relationship with him. You understand that? That it, before you ever get a relationship with a human being right, 
You have to first be in right relationship with God. I think some of us need to hear this tonight, that we don't need to just rush into dating relationships if we're not currently investing in our relationship with God. If we do that, your relationships will always be destined for failure. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to tell you the truth, right? Like, you need to get your relationship with God right before you ever invest in a romantic relationship. You need to first make sure that you are joined to him before you seek to join your life to another. I think about it kind of like this. Um, if you've ever flown before, like, you know, like before you take off, you get the safety speech, you know, where they show you where the life jackets are, even though you're like flying over Colorado and they're not going to help you at all. You know what I'm talking about? They give you the safety speech, right? And a part of the safety speech, they tell you at some point, they say, hey, if at any point in the plane ride, the plane flight, we experience a loss in oxygen, there's going to be these masks that fall from the ceiling, right? And what do they always tell you? They say, before you try to help someone else, make sure that you fasten your own oxygen mask before you try to help those that are around you. You ever thought about why they tell you that? They tell you that because if you're going to actually help someone around you, you need to be connected to oxygen first. You need to be connected to oxygen so that you can breathe clearly and so that you can think effectively, all right? If you are connected to oxygen, you can breathe clearly, you can think effectively so that you can actually help those around you. If you immediately just start trying to help those that are around you, you're not going to be breathing clearly. You're not going to be thinking effectively. And chances are you're going to cause far more harm than you ever will good. And so you need to first make sure that you're connected to that oxygen source so that you can then help those that are around you. It's the same thing whenever it comes to romantic relationships. It's the same thing whenever it comes to relationships with others. If we're going to be a blessing to those around us, we need to first make sure that we're connected with the Lord. We need to be drawing from him. We need to be drawing near to him. We need to be spending time with him. We need to be molded more and more into his image so that whenever we do enter into relationship with others, we're actually a blessing to them. We're not a drain on them. We're actually causing, bringing about good in their lives instead of tearing down from their lives. I think this is a word that many of us need to hear in this room tonight because the majority of relational conflicts and relational problems that I see among college students come from one thing. They come from the fact that it's so easy to prioritize dating relationships over a relationship with God. It's so easy for that to happen, y'all. It's so easy for that to happen. So I, I want you to understand that this is not what I want for you. Whenever that happens, your relationships will fail. And I'm, I think this is important. I want to pause right here. I'm not telling you that if you're in this room that everybody needs to leave and break up with their significant other, okay? I'm not telling you that everyone in this room needs to be single and just devote time to spending time with the Lord. That may be true for some of you. Maybe some of you do need to break up, but that's not true for all of you, okay? I'm not saying that. So do me a favor. Whenever you leave this place, don't text your boyfriend or girlfriend and be like, hey, we need to talk. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't blame it on me. Don't leave here and be like, hey, well, Adam said... You know, because here's the deal. I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning to 100 text messages from mad boyfriends and girlfriends, okay? That's not what I want for my Thursday morning. So don't do that. But I am here to tell you that in order for you to date really, really well, in order for you to be a good boyfriend or a good girlfriend and eventually to be a good husband and a good wife, you first need to make sure that you're really good at being a child of God that you're really good at being joined to him. That's what this season of singleness is for. That's why God ordains this season. For some, it's temporary. For some, it's a lifestyle, but it's to promote that which is appropriate. And he continues on to show us how we're to do that. 
right? Like that's the why behind singleness. Talk really briefly here about the how. How were we meant to leverage these years? What is that meant to look like? The last little phrase that we're gonna look at, he says that it's to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. That singleness is to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. Quick word about these two words. Quick thing about these two words, undivided and devotion, undivided. He says undivided because by saying undivided, he's simply saying that the time period of singleness is meant to be one of less distractions. Again, he elaborates on this a little bit prior in uh, the few verses before, in verses 32 through 34, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and in spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Simply put, Paul's saying this, hey, relationships are good, but they can be really distracting. Right? Like some of you know this, right? Like whenever you start to get in a relationship with another person, you start to have feelings with another person, all of a sudden, a lot more of your thoughts are consumed about that person, right? Like you start thinking about things that you've never thought about before, right? Like they text you and you're like reading into the text message a little bit, right? Like you're like, well, what did he mean whenever he said this? And then you're, you're thinking a little bit more about your response, right? Like you're typing it out, you're showing it to your friend, like, hey, does this look good? Should I send this? And you're like, no, no, I'm gonna backspace, I'm gonna try again, draft two, right? And you're, you're thinking through all these things. Whenever they send you a Snapchat, you're thinking, how, how quickly should I open this? Should I open this immediately? Does that make me seem too eager, too available? Like, should I respond immediately? Is that, is that what, what's, the, what's the move here, right? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm hitting a nerve here, right? Like, you, this happens. This is what dating's like now, right? We think about these things. What's happening? We're becoming far more distracted. And I'm here to tell you that it doesn't end in dating. The distractions continue. Listen, I am happily married to the love of my wife, my beautiful wife, Jillian. I love my season of life. I would not trade my marriage. I would not trade the season that I'm in for anything. But to be honest with you, it came with a lot of distractions that I was not expecting. It came with a lot more demands on my time that I never considered prior to marriage. All right, many of you know that we recently moved into a new home. All right, that was an endeavor in and of itself. But the even bigger endeavor was finding things to go into that home, right? Like these were things that I didn't think about prior to being in a relationship with Jillian, prior to being married, right? Like before I was married, my, the guys that I lived with, we just like whatever we had, we brought. Like I literally, you know, this is serious. I lived in an apartment one time where we had a chair that was made out of an old traffic cone, okay? Like we didn't care at all. Like we didn't put any thought into what was going into our apartment, not so into our new home right? Not so into the home that Julian and I just bought. We had to think through the little details and make sure that everything that matches, right? We had hardwood floors in our living room, which meant that we needed to buy a rug. And buying a rug didn't mean just going to Target and looking at two or three rugs and picking one. No, we got on websites. We looked at hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of rugs, consulted all the experts, consulted all the family members to finally find the one that fit. And listen, my wife is incredibly low maintenance, but what we found out is that she cares a lot more about those things, which meant that I had to care about those things. I had to spend time looking at those rugs. I had to spend time looking at these things with her. Why? Because I'm a married man who became anxious about the things of the world, how to please my wife. And listen, that's not a bad thing. That is not a bad thing. 
It's a good thing. It's, this, is a, sorry, this is part of what being a loving husband is, and we're going to talk more about like what that looks like later in this series, but it does come with some incredible distractions. And so what Paul is saying here is, hey, before you enter into that season where you have more expectations, where you have more responsibilities, where you have more things that demand your time, use this time well. And he says, use this time to secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. And I love the word devotion. In the original language, the word devotion is a combination of two words. It's a combination of the word good and a combination of the word that means to remain closely beside. And so what the word devotion means is that you're to become really good at remaining close beside someone. It means that you're to remain, get really good at remaining closely connected to that person of attending carefully to. It's got like this passive element of sitting with someone, but also this active element of attending carefully to their desires and what they need and what they want. So it's listening and responding. It's hearing and it's doing. So Paul here is saying, hey, use this time period of limited distractions to secure a true devotion to the Lord. Don't just fill your time with pointless distraction, but use this time to develop true devotion. Draw near to the Lord. Use this time well. And I think this is something we need, guys, because we love to fill our lives with pointless distractions, things that just take up time, things that just take our time and our energy. We, we love to just we'll scroll through our phone for hours. We're always looking for the next big thing to be a part of. We, always, we don't want to miss out on anything that our friends are doing. We're jumping from thing to thing to thing. We're moving at, our lives are moving at a pace that we cannot sustain. And if we're always moving at 100 miles per hour, what will happen is that you'll never go deep. All right, we love to move fast, but if we're moving fast, we're never gonna go deep. And if you truly want to develop devotion for the Lord, then you need to carve out time for this. This is what I want for you. I want you to live the life that God has ordained for you, to live the life that he's called you to. But to do that, you must develop a true devotion to the Lord, getting really good at remaining close beside him, attending to his word and attending to his work, right? Spending time, in his word, reading his word, spending true time here, carving out actual time in your day to put the phone away, to close the laptop, to get away from the friends, to get alone and sit with this word and read it and meditate on it and spend time in prayer, drawing close to the Lord and letting these words change the way that you live as you move out to live your lives differently, moving into action, attending to the work of God, investing in relationships, living your life with a purpose and meaning as you seek to be a part of the kingdom of God, bringing light into the darkness. This time period in your life is here for a reason, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Use it well. Man's gonna go ahead and come back up. But as I was, as I was thinking about this this week, as I was thinking about this topic of singleness, I was just thinking about people in my life who are single and who really leverage their singleness well. I have a really good friend of mine who, who's like this. He's several years older than me, and he's not married, but he uses his singleness so well. And he's one of these guys that whenever you spend time with him, you just know that he walks closely with the Lord. Like he's always telling me the things that he's praying about, the things that he's learning in God's word, but it's also cool to see how he lives his life. I was with him just a few weeks ago. He asked me to go grab some dinner 
with him. And, and we were there at the dinner table. We were eating together. And he said, hey, before we head out, would you mind if we make a quick stop? I want to go see some friends of mine. And I'm like, sure, that's fine. So we load up in his car. We drive away. And we go to this guy's house that's on Village. It's a college guy's house. It's a guy that my friend had been investing in. And what I watched is we walk into this house and it's filled with college guys. And here I am, I'm the college pastor. I know none of these college guys. We walk into this house. But I watched as my friend made his way around the room and he greeted every single one of them by name. He gave him a hug. He smiled. And what I watched is I watched the way that he valued these guys. I watched the way that they responded to him and you could tell that they knew that he cared about them. We hung out there for a while and he's like, hey, you cool for one more stop? And I'm like, sure, get in his car, drive across the county to another house, exact same thing. Walk into the room, don't know anybody, but watch my friend just make his way around the room, valuing, caring for, investing in this next generation who's coming up after him. And what I realized in that moment is like, this is this guy's every single day. This is how he spends his days. He draws close to the Lord and he actually moves out in action. And he's got the time and the ability to be able to do this even more so than I do because I'm married and that's a gift from God. And we're gonna talk about that in weeks to come. But what I watched in my friend was a gift as well, that he knew how to leverage that season well. And what I want you to understand is this, the main point of tonight is this, that singleness is not a season to just be endured. It's a time period to be leveraged. So many of you in this room will go on to get married. That will happen in your life. And that's an incredible blessing from the Lord. And we're gonna talk about that in the weeks to come. But what I want you to understand is that some of you, that you, we need to understand that the single life is not an unfulfilled life, all right? The, the end goal of our lives is not marriage. The end goal of our lives is to live our lives for God's glory, whether we are singled or single or whether we are married. We're called to live our lives well. So wherever you find yourself tonight, I don't want you to wish away the days. I don't want you to wish away the time. I want you to leverage the time that has been given to you. It is a gift. It's a gift you might not have asked for, but it's a gift that's ultimately for your good, that's gonna help you live the life that you were meant to live. So leverage it well while you have it. Would you pray with me? Father, I'm really thankful for this time and I'm really thankful for your word. I'm thankful that, that your word speaks to, to all areas of life. I'm thankful that it speaks to us and, and shows us how we're meant to leverage this season, this season of singleness. And God, I pray for every person in this room who's, who's not yet married, that they would leverage this season that they are in well, that we wouldn't just waste time by pining away for the next season we wouldn't live life with a grass is greener mentality, but that we would truly understand that you have gifted us this time for a reason, that we would live it to the hilt, that we would get everything out of this gift that you desire to give us. Use this time. God, I'm thankful for these moments. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Prince College Podcast. If you'd like more information about our ministry, you can check us out online at www.pabc.org backslash college, or you can follow us on social media at, at prince.college. We'll see you next time.